You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, February the 3rd, 2020. It is episode 90 of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yet, and joining me on this brand new year to talk about all the good topics through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Jew. Happy New Year, Marvin! Happy New Year, Xin Yan Kuai. Xin Yan Kuai Le. Xin Yan Kuai Le. Actually, for you, don't worry about the Suya. You don't need to worry about Suya at all this year. What is Suya? <laughs> that means I wish you good fortune on your career. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like all these all the a lot of these greetings I've been seeing and like the Instagram images I've been seeing. It's always like have the best year you can. It's like <laughs> it's like all very tempered. It's like yeah, it, it's fine. You know, world's just try. It's, it's hard. managing. And if you don't, it's okay. <laughs> it's managing expectations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like hopefully you make a lot of money, but you know things are tough right now. That's fine. <laughs> Also joining us, professional culture editor Han Win. Happy New Year, Hong. Chuk mung namoy. Thank you. It is my year. I am Year of the Tiger, oh, wow. which, uh, which, as as uh, all superstitious zodiac followers know, is a bad luck year. It's for bad it. for you. Yeah, your own year is bad. You got to wear like bread underwear every single day. I'm 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 gonna order it, uh, or I'm going to make it with using scraps. Whatever I need to do. You know what? Someone posted on their Instagram like the forecast for this year, and it's looking pretty bad for rats too. Um, not sure how accurate <sighs> this is, but it's in my head now. So M- monkey's pretty good. It's like all A's and one B, which is like very reflective of my actual report card. So I think I can manage this year. Oh, I mean, that's good. The year's already off to a great start. Um, Wordo got bought by New York Times. <laughs> Netflix is raising its rates. It's just good times all around. <laughs> Oh my yeah. god, you know who's also already having a bad year, guys? And you know what other holiday, you know, falls around this time? They're related. Uh one of the groundhogs died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Mel, right before Mel. like he died today, like a New Jersey groundhog. It's not like P- Pentataki Phil, whatever. Yeah. It's not the really, really famous one, but like he's a famous groundhog and he like died yeah. today and they don't have time to find a replacement oh, yeah so mel's like i don't even want to tell you what's coming he's this just is like, like i'm a bad bye. omen right <laughs> this is a bad omen this is like fuck off this is it's the winter that'll last great. forever well yeah the last time this happened in new jersey was like 2016 and that was a really bad that was my year by mm. the way that was the year of the monkey mm. and it was really bad i'm just saying it was really bad I mean, my year was 2020, so, you know, there might be something to the to these superstitions. Yeah. <laughs> a little something. Yikes. Uh, well, this week, it's time once again for our monthly Asian American Entertainment News Roundup. Do we want this? Uh, we'll be highlighting some of the latest Asian American related news after the break. Um, but yeah, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through this New Year's week. Uh, let's start with Jess. What's popping? So I don't know if you've heard or have signed up for the text messages because this <laughs> festival will not stop texting me. But I purchased tickets for when we were young, the <gasps> emo music festival happening mm-hmm. in Vegas in October. And its headliners include My Chemical Romance and Paramore and Avril Lavigne. But here's the weird thing, guys. I 
actually missed this entire phase in my youth. At the hmm. same time, everyone was getting into youth, like emo, like was very formative. I diverted and went into C-pop and K-pop. <laughs> so I do not have a history with a lot of these bands. Obviously, I know some of their famous songs. So my beloved, lovely, very sweet boyfriend who wants is very excited about this has created me a Spotify playlist <laughs> called uh, When We Were Young for Jess. And I've just been like studying all these different bands and like listening to it. And I can't I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's a little rough as an almost 30 year old. It's like, oh, this is a so it's a little cringy. Like it's a lot of feelings. It's a lot of that like Blink Hold on. 82. This is coming from like, the same girl that was really into um, Olivia Rodriguez music. Yeah, I like Paramore, but the, some of these other deeper band cuts, I'm just like, why are you whining so much? You need, I don't know about you, but like I adore Dashboard Confessionals. So. Oh, I love Dashboard. That's like yes. older, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Breathe yeah. in for love. Yeah, love that shit. But <laughs> Hands some down. Like, some of like the whiny, like, I, you know, the very like Blink-182 mm-hmm. tinge. I'm just like, oh, but I'm like brute forcing it because you know that when you, the more you listen to a song, you just end up liking it regardless of whether yes. or not you that has happened like to it me, or not. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I am basically repeating this playlist until October. So I will not be, I got to blend in, you know, I have to blend in and I get to mm-hmm. finally buy that studded black belt that I never bought or that mm. my mom would not buy me. Let me know Hot if you, Topic. let me know if you need to uh, borrow any cuffs. Oh my I, God. Uh, yes. Let me rage. <laughs> we should do an exchange club. Yeah. Like, like, like I'll bring, I'll bring like all the professional gear you may need for like press <laughs> tours and DCA right. or red carpets. And I will just rage your closet for like, Make me an emo middle schooler again. Yeah, I probably have, like, that was my aesthetic for sure. Like, uh, sleeveless stuff also. Um, yeah. Anything that was, I, like, started out in goth, and then I, I went up to alternative rock, and then also the emo. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta go some of the deeper, because you gotta go something corporate, you gotta go... Our Lady Peace. Something corporate is not getting back together, okay? He is now married to Lauren Conrad from the from <laughs> the, hills? the Hills, and he's a lawyer, okay? He doesn't have to work another day in his life. He's married there, to Lauren Conrad. <laughs> there are a lot of bands on this list, though, because my friends were sharing it, and I was like, do I want to go to this? And I hadn't decided yet. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, well, they keep adding weekends, so... Oof. You I might as well go I, for it. Well, what, just tell me what weekend you're going and then maybe we can coordinate. Okay. And then <laughs> um, I was also like, oh, they really they really like to call ladies whores this yes, time. Yes, <laughs> yes. That was very, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, guys. Sure. Yeah. Again, 30 years old, you know, like different, different mindset. But I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, I like it. I'll get there. <laughs> oh man, maybe I should check out this concert too. Yeah, we should all go. It'd be a good, good pop road trip. <laughs> oh my god, do it! Let's do it. All right, Han, what's popping with you? So I had I took in a couple wildly different Netflix things this weekend because I was uh, preparing for press tour. So I'm watching a lot of things that um, I can't really talk too much about yet. But um, one of them is the uh, South Korean. Uh, drama that I'm sure a lot of you have checked out by now. It's called All of Us Are Dead. It is a zombie uh, teenage coming of age uh, drama where a bunch of students in high school have turned zombie and they're eating their compatriots. 
Um, I only started it, so I actually don't know where this is going. Um, but, you know, as is the want when it comes to uh, Asian fare like this, the government has turned away from them. <laughs> and they're like, you're on your own. So uh, it, it is going to truly, you know, be one of those things where it's like you figure out like who's who who they are in, in under dire circumstances. So you mean the true monsters are yeah, humans? Uh, yes, of course. The true monsters are humans, and some of them aren't even zombies. Um, the other thing I took in was a ridiculous rom-com called The Royal Treatment. Um, it is set in the universe of uh, uh, that also has the Christmas Prince and uh, Princess Switch. Oh, this is the God. hair one, right? This is the hair one. Oh, and with Aladdin, the guy who played Aladdin, yes. and, and the woman with the terrible, terrible New York accent. It's, it's pretty bad. And it was delightful because I needed something I didn't need to pay attention to because, you know, all of us are dead. I have to read the subtitles. But I was just like, I need to do chores because, like, I had to put up some um, blinds this weekend. I put up my mantle, which you have seen, that has tiger stuff on it. Um, so I was doing a lot of house stuff. And um, I didn't need to watch something. So this was wonderful in the background because her accent is ridiculous. It is basically a hairdresser in New York who uh, a prince from Lavania visits. Lavania. <laughs> it is just east, I believe, of Aldovia, if I got that right. Um, Where are they? Crap. As someone who like deeply studies your like maps of the world to practice for my one and my one day when I get on Jeopardy one day. Where are they shoving all these these countries? I I expect we will see that they're all the size of Luxembourg. And um, so they're all tiny. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so yeah. So at some point he goes uh, to New York. He realizes that he's looking a little shaggy. Um, so they call and they get the wrong hair salon. Um, but is it the wrong one? Cause it ends up being the right one. Mm. And, um, they hire her and her two friends to then go to Lavania after she does a good job on him and, uh, to do the hair for the Royal wedding where he's supposed to be marrying someone like some rich heiress. Um, and of course things ensue where it's, it's pretty awful. I don't know how else to describe it. It's kind of like, it's not. It's not like colonial, but she's kind of like showing like, here's the the part of your country that you didn't pay attention to. And it's literally across the train tracks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Subtle. These movies are not. This is probably the worst one of the bunch. I have to say um, her two friends are ridiculous caricatures. If you think she's bad, they're pretty bad. Um, but I guess because it was uniformly bad, I I ended up just enjoying it because I didn't have to think too hard about it. But it was <laughs> I got to say this. I, I cannot see this spawning any sort of like sequels. <laughs> so. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm going to go watch this as soon as this we're done recording. It's I'm so pretty, excited. It's pretty fucking bad. I <laughs> am looking forward to the inevitable prince slash princess avengers endgame that we're heading towards they have to solve save the world through diplomacy oh my god but then she's gonna cut the hair and then and then um someone else needs to bake a cake uh someone needs to write a story about it a journalistic story (laughs) what if all of these 
obviously city states banding together to create a you know a federation of some sort. Who do you think would be the head prince slash prince? Who would be the head monarch? Well, you know who who I, who I definitely want is one Fiona. Of the, yeah, yeah, it would be Duh, Fiona. Fiona. <laughs> she, she they will discover um, maybe an acorn. Who knows that her lineage somehow <laughs> qualifies her. Everyone else has like a country to rule, so she can right. be head of the federation. It makes so much sense, Marvin. Come on. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, anyway, so I can't recommend it enough as something that you really do not have to pay attention to. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, if you if you like this sort of thing, then you should watch it. I think it's, is what we're coming up when, when we're talking about managing expectations, this applies for sure. Anyway, so that was me, my wonderful weekend. What's popping with you? All right. So last week, uh, my partner and I took the week off. We went up to the mountains uh, to do one of those little getaway tiny cabin thingies. Ooh. Um, I, we were promised a... We can disconnect it from the world because there was no cell phone service. Except that was a lie. There was totally 5G <laughs> up there. Yeah, I was like, you were posting on Instagram a lot, yes. Marvin. <laughs> um, but while we were there, I was... Um, so, you know, people should know by now, I have another podcast called Books and Boba. It is a book club podcast where we read books by Asian and Asian American authors. And this month... We're reading uh, She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. Ooh. It is a reimagining of the rise of the founding emperor of the Ming Dynasty, um, told in a light fantasy and queer perspective. The story is based on the real-life historical legend of Zhu Tongba, who was a peasant monk who rose to become mm-hmm. a commander in the rebellion against the Yuan Dynasty and eventually claimed the mandate of heaven to become the emperor of China himself. Except in this version, Zhu Tongba is actually an unnamed girl who took the name of her dead brother um, to enter the monastery as a monk in order to survive um, after her family is wiped out by a bandit attack. Like in the real life legend, she eventually becomes a commander in the Red Turban Rebellion, which is trying to um, overthrow the Yuan Dynasty, um, the dynasty founded by Kublai Khan when the Mongols conquered China and overthrew the Song Dynasty, and follows her exploits as she becomes a war hero as she tries to chase her great fate. Like I mentioned, the story does feature some light fantasy elements, mostly in the form of some very Chinese concepts, like being able to see hungry ghosts, uh, the power of fate, and how in this world the mandate of heaven actually manifests in the physical world as like a shining flame. The story itself is a historical epic that follows the war between the Red Turbans and the Yuan Dynasty. So um, fair warning, it's not an action-packed like martial arts Asian-inspired fantasy. Um, it's a lot of military battles um, separated by periods of politicking and character moments. So it's not necessarily a high-octane um, read. I know some people find the in-between parts a little slow, uh, but I really liked it. It reminded me of other historical epics like The Romance of the Three Kingdoms, uh, which also featured a lot of great battles between shrewd strategists. And the twist of Zhu Tongba actually being a woman is a really interesting take because being a woman, she's able to look at situations um, mm. differently, which leads her to get out of a lot of the sticky military and political situations she finds herself in. Um, there's queer romance in it, um, both from the hero. Also, one of the antagonists is a eunuch with a crush on his commanding officer slash brother figure. And yeah, the themes of this book revolve around power and fate and expectations. There's a lot of commentary on the power and worth of women. You know, this is 
late imperial China, probably one of the worst times and places to be a woman um, in uh, history. Yeah, um, hard, hard to say. I think it's all, it's all, it's all always sometimes bad. <laughs> so yeah, um, the book again is She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. If you want to hear more about my thoughts about the book, um, tune in to the next episode of Books and Boba, where we'll be discussing the book at length. <laughs> oh, I like that plug, that horizontal integration. Synergy. Uh, good. That's on my to-be-read list, though. Um, I will check it out. Yeah. All right. And that's our first What's Poppin' for the Year of the Tiger. When we come back, we'll be highlighting some of the latest Asian American entertainment news with our monthly news segment, Do We Want This? So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It's time for the first edition of Do We Want This? Our monthly Asian American Entertainment News Roundup of the year. Both years, actually, of the solar and the lunar New Year's. Um, it's our first one in about two months as well. So we got a lot of news to get through. Um, how it works is we're going to go around our little virtual table here. And each of us, myself, Han, and Jess, uh, will bring up a piece of entertainment news that happened over the last few weeks and we're gonna ask ourselves if we want this um so let's get started with jazz what's our first story first stories david g Derek jr is going to head the moana series for disney plus okay first things first i didn't even know there was a moana series super excited about that love love our polynesian princess number two Derek is a samoan American animator. So, you know, definitely, I think, a step in the right direction. So, do we want this, guys? Yeah, I'm very biased. Yes, <laughs> we want this. We want both the series and we want the series to be directed by someone of with some poly. I should say Polynesian because I feel yes. like, like the poly cool poly yes. amorous community is a little bit, you know, the Polynesians. We'll talk about that in another. We'll we'll unpack mm -hmm. that in a different um, podcast. But yes, because you know the pipeline in animation is ridiculously longer. It's ridiculously hard to get into. Like you got put in so much. So the fact that they found someone to head this project who's a little closer to maybe what the OG creative team should have been <laughs> is great. Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes we get good Disney, and this is definitely a good Disney yes. moment. 
But it's also like, even when Disney does it the poor way, it's just like, oh, but the fuck, it's just so fucking catchy. You're like, you, God damn it. Like, how am I supposed to resist? So now, you know, some of my own guilt is now assuaged. Yeah. I mean, we can all hope that Disney stays good for a while. But, you know, I mean, Disney will be fine. It, <clears throat> Disney is a company that even when they're doing not great things ends up making good stuff anyways. It's, it's actually a problem. They're trying. And also, wait, but didn't we just talk about wouldn't you want Lin-Manuel yeah. to do music for this, even though he's overworked? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see if it's going to be a mu- how True. like if it's going to be like an in book musical kind of thing like the movie is, because, you know, um, as someone who grew up on like the Disney series that you know they were churning out like oh yeah that's true costco sausages back in the day (laughs) uh not Mm. all of them keep that same musical thing um going forward because i don't know if you could sing like a song like every single episode but and i do wonder about the voice cast if like ali is coming back to voice moana Mm. i hope she is or if because because the cast actually was very stellar it was like Mm -hmm. a sure singer and you know, The Rock, who is now in some hot water because he supports yeah. Joe Rogan. No one's surprised. You know, um, he could just not talk. That's the thing. Like, I, that's, a, that's a tip for all you guys out there. You could just not say anything. I'm also like, can they afford The Rock at this point for like a TV? It's, it's, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what yeah. happens. And The Rock is famous enough where you know they can find someone to imitate him. Yeah. Or like, yeah. or like, you know, like Jackie Chan adventures. Like, Jackie Chan was not voiced by Jackie Chan, but like, no one, like, who cares? The guy did a great job. Sure. So I that hope some very series, talented though. voice actor gets a big ass <laughs> paycheck, but I hope they're all still poly of poly Polynesian roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm excited and we love a Mo. We love Moana. Yeah. I mean, I can see different ways you can go about this. I mean, Moana itself, it's a series that has adventure at its core because the people that it depicts are, you know, the seafaring Polynesian tribe, you know, the Rock's character Maui was just one of the many Polynesian gods and goddesses that mm-hmm. they can portray. Um, there's a lot of potential here, and it is a way to really teach and um, represent a people who are very much not represented in a lot of um, in a lot of media, especially media that takes place in the Polynesian islands. Moana's just a badass too. Like, yeah, I love her. I love oh her. God, it, yeah. she's like badass in a way that's still very like feminine, like coded and like gentle. Like she's scared, but she still will, you know, find the courage to do stuff and yeah, live her fool. truth. Just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, Han, what's our next story? All right, so our next thing is. Bong Joon-ho, it looks like he might have his next project lined up. Uh, so according to Deadline, he's eyeing this adaptation of a an a- Edward Ashton novel called Mickey 7 for Warner Brothers. So it's supposed to star Robert Pattinson. Um, he's supposed to write, direct, and produce it. Um, so we'll see if that comes to be. But basically the book is... Um, just a, a small um, sort of like disclosure, not not that I know this person, but one of my writers at Salon is a sci-fi novelist and she knows this writer. So it's one of the reasons why I have an extra interest in this. And so we're going to try to you know talk to him at some point. But um, 
So the novel Mickey Seven, it's about um, Robert Pattinson's character, which is an expendable. Um, it's a type of disposable employee. So he's sent on various expeditions and um, he's sent to colonize this ice world called Niflheim. Um, but whenever a mission's really dangerous, then he might even die. Um, and so that's why they send Mickey. It's like, hey, Mickey wants to go. Um, so that's why he is Mickey Seven, because he is regenerated after having, I guess, died six times or maybe more, depending. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, of course, you know, that's going to look at um, colonization, but also the roles of people and, you know, who's disposable uh, and things like that. So I want to ask, do we want this? You know, at this point, all you need to say is Bong Joon-ho's making a new movie and I am in. <laughs> I don't particularly understand the Robert Pattinson of it all. Like, just just him as a, I miss Twilight. Um, I think the Batman movie looks so stupid. But I like Bong Joon-ho. And if Bong Joon-ho likes Robert Pattinson, I'm down. I what mean, is- hasn't Robert Pattinson been making some pretty good moves over the yes. last post-Twilight? Yeah, but yeah. like nothing I've watched. Like, have, oh my I, God. have I seen The Lighthouse? No. Oh, you totally got to watch The Lighthouse. Um, I know it's like very gay, but I mean, which just really up my alley and Willem Dafoe. But yeah, I just, he's, I just am so like stuck on the overexposed Robert Pattinson of like Twilight era. And then also that really, really insane GQ profile that came out where he was like <laughs> trying to invent a new kind of pasta thing. It's, it's, I don't know if you've read this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm scared to like put this in your orbit, but I would highly recommend you read this insane profile on Robert Pattinson. I'm like, are you okay? It should might- you be acting? Like, I feel like you should just go live a nice, quiet, normal life somewhere and like heal. It might make me like him better, actually. I think the weirder someone is, the more I, I like oh, them. Oh, then you will love yeah. Robert Pattinson. Like that Jeremy Strong interview made me appreciate him. <laughs> so for what he does for Succession. Um, what if I added that uh, also executive producing is Adam McKay? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, no, it's going to be fun. I just, I personally am trying to like, you know, when you like in theory understand the Robert Pattinson something, but like your your heart doesn't understand it. That's yeah. like where I am with Robert Pattinson. Wait, isn't Adam McKay also doing the American adaptation of Parasite? Is this the deal that they struck where he would oh. produce one of Bong's films? Uh, I, I really hope not. Hold on. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, so here's the deal. I don't particularly like Adam McKay's work. Um, he's fine. He's done, did his thing. And then, you know, I think he's gotten like a little bit over the top, but, um, I don't necessarily think that he's going to have his, his touch on this project. And yeah, I do like pretty much most things that Bong Joon-ho does. I like, um, odd sci-fi things, especially when new planets and like, there's that subgenre of, uh, sci-fi love, which is, starting a new world, you know, colonizing new planets. And uh, because there's always societal talks there and sometimes there's interesting new biology. Uh, so I'm curious. I'm going to read this book yeah. and uh, see how this works out. Director Bong's also going back to some well-worn territory about sci-fi and icy snow settings. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of my favorite um, sci-fi novels are set on icy worlds. <laughs> um, one of the other ones is 
that I can think of right now is the left hand of darkness, but there's definitely other ones, of course. Um, yeah. And I, I am kind of looking forward to the three hour Robin Pattinson Batman movie, to be honest. I know. I am <laughs> with you. I am with you, Marvin. Like, I do love Robert Pattinson. I think he's a great actor. And I think, depending, certain things can be very interesting, but we'll see about the filmmaker side. Um, <laughs> I, I I do not make a judgment ahead of time, but uh, yeah. He's, I just sent you the, email. you can read it. You'll love him after that. I'm just, the I pasta. don't get it quite yet. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, well, anyway, so, uh, so I guess we tentatively want this. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm happy that you're happy. Okay. <laughs> All right, Marvin. All right. Our next story. Um, Deadline reports that there's going to be a National Treasure Disney Plus series. Mm. Um, Ooh. Executive produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who also did the National Treasure films. Um, the cast will feature a what seems to be multi-ethnic diverse team of what I assume are professional thieves um, and history buffs. But um, children. But children, <laughs> right? They're pretty young, right? Like the main cast they've announced is... Yeah, they're pretty young. Um, um, there are some Asian faces here, which you know, which we love, um, including Jordan Rodriguez. Oh, the pilot episode is also directed by Mira Nair mm-hmm. of uh, Mississippi Masala oh, fame. Uh, so the story follows a dreamer named Jess, whose brilliant and resourceful mind loves a good mystery, and Jess. she has a natural talent for solving hey. puzzles. Over the course of the show, Jess will uncover her own buried history as well as the truth about her parents and her connection to a long-lost treasure. Hey. <laughs> now, this sounds super fun. Yeah, it sounds really fun. Yeah, do we want this? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Even before I heard the premise, uh, yeah, I was like, I'm down. And everyone associated with it sounds like it's just going to be so much more interesting. I need a Nick Cage cameo. For this to be a hundred percent sell for, where you know he just he still got to pay alimony money, he got to pay off his taxes. I bet you he will be making an appearance in this. Yeah, doesn't he have another kid? I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's another kid on his way. Um, you know, new wifey, and he hasn't yes. been saying no to any movie as we've no. seen. and he, he has did- this upcoming thing where he's kind of like playing himself. So yeah, yeah, I, I and, think, it's- and he narrated that weird Netflix. Like documentary about cuss words. Yep, yep, yep. I I think uh, I think they just need to present it to him in in such a way that he'll be like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some more info on the character played by Jordan Rodriguez. He's playing Ethan, a golden boy and best Mm. friends with Jess, who um, who I guess has an unrequited crush on her. Probably. Hmm. You know what they say: save the Declaration of Independence, and you save a country. Teach some children to save a Declaration of Independence, and you save the future of the country. That is what they say. That's that's a very popular saying, yes. According to Jess, who would know because she shares the name with this character. Yes. And a few million other people because it was the most popular name for girls, babies from 1990 to 1993. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you another article. They profiled, there was literally a New York Times profile called The Jessica's Turn 30. Oh, I I was also thinking um, in uh, uh, Bendit Like Beckham, she's a Jess also, isn't she? 
Yeah, Asian mm-hmm. girls mm-hmm. named Je- the name Jessica. You know, it's like that meme where they're clasping hands in solidarity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is also hilarious because I don't think Jessica is like a very easy name for like people no. with heavy Asian accents to say. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I saw this um, story, I immediately thought of Jess because of her Nick Cage-a-thon. Was it last <gasps> year during the pandemic? I, I, Yeah, because people, cable channels really love to put Nick Cage action movies on, which is in syndication, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and they are, they're pretty fantastic, guys. Like... They really don't make action movies like they did in the 90s. And knowing that like CGI wasn't a thing and you just had to like blow up a plane. <laughs> if you wanted the shot of a plane blowing up, I was like, man, mad respect. Yeah, so definitely uh, I want this. I'm excited for it and we'll probably watch it when it comes out. Um, Jess, what's your next story? Our next story. Very exciting com- news coming from the world of the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> Um, okay, you gotta play like hype music now, Marvin, in the edit. You gotta like, <laughs> like it's it's building. It's building. Jason Momoa's joining Fast and Furious Ten. Uh, you know, you know, very famously, a few months ago, The Rock said he would refuse to come back to the main franchise because of his beef with Vin Diesel. Um, and they have replaced The Rock with arguably a hotter. Um, Polynesian <laughs> man, which is Jason Momoa. Um, very few other details. Um, I don't know if he's gonna be a good guy or a bad guy. He honestly like looks like a bad guy. You know, kind of like they 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 cast very like handsome men to be bad guys in this world. Um, Luke Evans, uh, Jason Statham, not my cup of tea, but you know, like whatever. We- um. But yes. we know how it works in this in this world, right? They start out like, bad they guy. They start bad guys and then family. They get won over by the family. So eventually he will embrace, you know, the family and uh, whatever, Dom, <laughs> the Toretto's, etc. Yes. So but but this is the last one. Will he find redemption within one movie? Mayhaps. The, I feel like the redemption cycles are getting shorter. We'll see. And. I am so excited. Um, You know, I feel like Jason Momoa is actually a perfect match for this Mm because you don't need to be like the best actor. You just need to be very charming and know how to throw like a really funny line at which Jason Momoa knows how to do. Yeah. And I am very excited and I hope he gets to drive. It is really funny when you get like really big guys in like (laughs) <laughs> they have to drive, go up it in and out, and like jump in and out of these very small, low sports cars. Like when John Cena is just like jumping in and out mm-hmm. of like the new Supra. I'm like, in the recent movie, I was like, that is the most unbelievable thing of this entire movie. Yeah. That a man as large and tall as John Cena can crawl through the window of a moving, like a hundred miles per hour moving like sports car. But hey, I'm here for it. Yes, yeah. we want this, Marvin, if you couldn't tell. Yes, I want this as well. Who knew? I feel like Jason Momoa is like genetically engineered for a <laughs> role in this film series. Like, who have they not touched at this point? Like, who is still, like, would you want to get into this franchise that has not gotten into this franchise? Like, it's our last movie. Who else can we cram in here? Hmm. I mean, unless they go old guard action heroes and go like the Bruce Willis's or like the... I would love to see, like, because, you know, the whole point is they go to, like, international spots every time, right? I mm-hmm. really want to see a segment in Hong Kong where, like, he links up with, like, 
it's like Michelle Yeoh and like Chow mm-hmm. Yun Fat are like the great dames of like the Hong Kong street racing scene, and like he has just like a little moment with them. Um, or Michelle maybe Yeoh. there's like a little John Woo tribute because Justin Lin's directing it, and he does great John mm-hmm. Woo tributes. Um, I don't know, like who what else? Like, bring... can we get Jackie Chan in here somehow? Can I we mean, get... Jay Chow was in that initial D movie. We don't need Jay Chow. It's fine. He just needs to love his wife and not be a terrible person. Drink boba would <laughs> be nice to your wife, Jay Chow. <sighs> but yeah, yes. I I think for me, Michelle Yeoh would kind of make it. Like I, yeah, I would go a little crazy if that happened too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. why not? Yeah. Pull out all make the stops. It so. Make it so. <laughs> And speaking of Picard, no, <laughs> maybe, yeah, Patrick Stewart would be fun. Yeah, I mean, Ian McKellen, uh, Michelle yeah. Gill, or even Ming Na. Ming Na one should be in another franchise. <gasps> Ming Na like. would be great. Yeah, I think it should be like a rule of law that Ming Na should make an appearance in every single franchise. Yeah. She's already done the Disney triple hat. Yep. Just, just at this point, just add her to every single franchise. Oh, I like it. It's a rule of law. Goals. <laughs> All right. Han, what's the next story? All right. So this is a, a little teaser trailer that just came out um, for Ali Wong's third stand-up special for Netflix called Don Wong. And uh, yes, that is a pun. It's a play off of Don Juan because it's being released on Valentine's Day. And so the description uh, of it, basically the teaser is just, it's fun. You don't need... I don't need to describe it. Like she's, she looks awesome. She sees by a fancy car. Um, but the description is that comedian, writer, and actress Ali Wong returns to Netflix for her third original comedy special, Don Wong. Just in time for Valentine's Day, Ali reveals her wildest fantasies, the challenges of monogamy, and how she really feels about be- single people. Mm. Uh, and so this is something that she had fil- uh, filmed in New Jersey in the Count Basie Theater. Uh, and as I said, it premieres on Valentine's Day. So um, I have thoughts on this, but do we want this? Hell yes! <laughs> yeah. It is very weird to see her not pregnant, though. Right? In a sh- in a celebrity, like in a stand-up special, but she looked good. Yeah, it, it's kind of like it, it had to be the next step because she was pregnant for both, you know, of her specials, uh, Baby Cobra and the other one. But um, yeah, this one, she still looks good. Um, and if you had read... Her um, book that she had wrote, written for her kids, which was sort of autobiographical, called Dear Girls. She she goes over um, not only just going up in the uh, stand-up comedy scene, but also how she met her husband and married him and just like sort of that whole relationship. And he even writes an afterword for her, which is super sweet that it ends up being it ends up being a very like romantic book. So I kind of actually would like to hear uh, this this Valentine's Day specific thing, <laughs> you know, because, of course, she's going to complain about her husband because that's part of the deal. When you are married to a comedian, they will. And you know what? Yeah. He don't ask the he, second the second special. Mention, he don't give a shit because she smart. bought the house. He's smart. She, he is smart and he just, you know, he just walks in the works like, I don't need you. My toilet fucking sings to me because my wife makes so much money now. He, he also runs the like the T-shirt stand for her at her shows. Like he helps her. He's he's a wife guy. So, um, yeah, I, I'm all about him. I think he's a great husband. And so obviously, you know, he understands where her comedy comes from. And I don't know. I just I'm all about this. 
I mean, Ali Wong specials are just a gather the family moment in in our household. Um, <laughs> really, all get together. My watch. mom would not be able. To- <laughs> I I made my mom watch it because it's one of the things that one of the few Netflix properties that actually has Chinese subtitles. Oh, and she was like, "This woman's crazy. Yeah. She sounds just like you." <laughs> <laughs> so accurate because you know what her insights. Into monogamy is something you're gonna have to think of, Jess. So <laughs> I know, I know, and I, I mean, is is my future? Is 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 Ray Ray? Is my boo? Is he Justin level? Like what he? I mean, sure. yes, he would definitely. He seems sell pretty tickets. good. He seems oh, like yes, a good one. Would, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, you're, he's you're, great. Your guy's definitely gonna be a wife guy. Yeah. Uh, we call that a simp, Marvin. <laughs> the kids call that a simp. Yes. Although simp has a negative connotation. Yeah, yeah. Like a simp. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to reclaim it for the simps. (laughs) You'll be the first one to be like, yep, (laughs) simping. Be simping. Anyway, so I I was just excited about that. I think it was kind of a no-brainer that we want this. But I was like, let's celebrate it. Uh, okay, so what's the next one? All right, our last story in a competitive, I guess, was an auction maybe? William Lee's Soul Street has acquired rights to author Sidney Pond's best-selling sci-fi novels, Want and the sequel, Ruse, for development as an international television series. Um, Want is a novel by Sidney Pond um, published a couple years ago, um, taking place in a dystopic Taiwan after a global pandemic where society is divided between people who can um, acquire special suits that will protect them from the pollution and viruses and those who cannot. And so the main character, Jason, with the help of his friends, infiltrates the lives of the wealthy in, in hopes of destroying the international corporation, um, controlling these health suits from within. But as he delves deeper into the world of excess and wealth, he starts falling in love with the daughter of the corporation CEO. Um, so, yeah, do we want this? Uh, so personally, yes, I want this, although I will uh, confess I did pick up this book a few years ago and I didn't finish it and not because of the quality, um, but it was because I was in that stage where reading was hard again. Right. You know, there's a Mm -hmm. like I had to unlock it during the pandemic and I'm like, oh, yes, this is how it was when I was a kid. But um, but I definitely picked it up because of Cindy Pond, the fact that it's cyberpunk, that genre. and, And it was sort of YA. And so I was just like, all of these things are things I want to read. So now I'm excited that. Since it's become um, being made, I will pick it back up again so I can uh, delve back into it. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's just um, it's in development. So until we have actual people attached to the project, we don't know if it's going to be, become anything or not. But <laughs> it's good to see that um, the property is there's interest. According to Deadline, interest in Cindy's novels became a sought after property following the global success of Squid Game. So some you know <laughs> runoff uh, momentum from other international genre series. Currently, the search is underway for a writer, um, and they have committed to finding an Asian American voice ah, in the series. So that's that's good. good. Too. Yeah, so far so good. Um, I'm pro this as long as they continue on this path. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we saw the same thing after in 2018 after Crazy Rich Asians, where mm-hmm. all of a sudden we had a ton of projects being made focusing on you know rich Asians. Yeah. Um. So you know, sometimes I guess it's a good thing that Hollywood is so predictable. But yeah, 
and and not a lot of those came to pass. You know, um, some of them finally got made. Um, some of them were decent. And uh, but I think at least it does give us more of a chance if there's at least 30 things in development. Uh, you know, a few will get made. Uh, so I'm all for this attention. And also, even if it doesn't get made, uh, people will read these books, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and down the line, maybe it'll get remade. So, yeah, I like all the attention. Yeah, and props to these production companies that are started by, you know, We Only has one now, um, you know, Randall Park and Michael Lomko and them also have one. Like, There's a lot of these production companies that are actively picking up these properties and developing them. And there's so much in the pipeline right now. Uh, Final Lee's Greenbone Saga is, was in the works. Some Love Boat Taipei is coming out soon. Um, Ken Liu's Grace of Kings it was also optioned a couple years ago. Uh, you know, it's sad to think that not all of these will see the light of day, but it is good to know that these stories are being sought after because people are finally seeing the potential value in them, yeah. right? And not not now is not never, right? right. Like yes. these, sometimes you just need to wait because a lot of these properties are huge undertakings and you do not, and it's, it is kind of hard. It's harder to reboot a series that's failed than to, sometimes than to do it the right, mm-hmm. longer, more expensive way the first time around. You don't want to fuck up your IP. Yeah. It took yeah. Avatar, what, 10 years, 15 years? To come I mean, the second's still not out. And, you know, like, <laughs> look at all the goodwill that, like, Game of Thrones just, like, threw in the crapper with their last season. Like, people are, like, really, like, bitches don't forgive. Um, <laughs> you, 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 gotta, you gotta be careful. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> definitely excited for this and the other series that are coming out. And with that, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club and this edition of Do We Want This? Uh, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes and Wordle scores are on Twitter <laughs> at JessJewTweets. Now property of New York Times. <laughs> yes. In protest, I still haven't played Wordle, but I am on Twitter at Anonymous. You can, you can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian-American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for this first Good Pop of the New Year. Once again, Happy New Year, everybody. I'm wishing you, uh, we wish you all a year of good fortune, good health, and I guess, you know, moderated expectations. <laughs> Hope you get rich. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to work on my underwear drawer and make sure that it's all in order. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Potion by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. 
And you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.